0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Trendsetters podcast. Today is going to be an agency insider episode. And today we welcome Don Neal. Don is the founder and CEO at 360 Live Media, which is an event strategy, marketing, and design agency. Don is also a member of the Forbes Agency Council and adjunct professor at Georgetown and has worked a variety of roles with smaller 20 to 50 person agencies, as well as some of the largest agencies in the world within the Omnicom agency group. So Don, it's a pleasure to have you on and thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thanks Jake, glad
0: to be here and excited to talk to you and your audience. Certainly, so kind of to set the stage right now, no space has been arguably more disrupted by COVID-19 than that of live events. And certainly within your own agency, you've seen that and adapted and shifted accordingly. I'd love to hear from your perspective what that change looked like and some of the changes and innovative approaches you've since implemented into the firm and how you're looking at it uh, as we head into the future and potentially a post-COVID world where things get back to normal.
1: Well, yeah, that's the existential question I think anybody in the events, conferences or trade show business is grappling with. And what I'll tell you for, for the last nine and a half years, I started the company 10 years ago And as you can tell from the name of our firm, we're a live media agency. So the premise of the agency was to take the best of live events, human face-to-face interaction and bring a more measured media approach, a more, you know, Madison Avenue marketing approach, and frankly, a more empirical approach to events and conferences, whether it's a brand activation or a training seminar or a large trade show. And so I think what we did in March was we took everything we knew, about the strategy structure and objectives of what events need to do, and and did make a major transition to converting that into a digital virtual environment. So the key I will tell you for anybody who's in the event business, you can't take a live event and pour it through a digital filter. You actually have to start from the ground up and really build your programming, your content, and the entire gestalt around the motivations of an audience. And the last thing I'll say on this people hire an event to do a job and you have to know what job they're hiring the event to do. And then you have to build a virtual digital experience that really captures the imagination, the soul, and the, um, raison d'etre for, for what people are trying to accomplish. So it's been a really exciting year. We're actually going to have probably, uh, a, as good a year as we had last year and last year was a great year for us. So we managed to come through this, I think, and reinvent ourselves and along the way built an entirely new muscle for the company
0: that's incredible and I think it starts with that approach of forgetting everything you knew prior and then adapting and treating it like like it is and and I love that you take an approach because we've obviously seen others that haven't been able to get away from 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 what they know um, and so it, it's great to hear that you've been continue growing through that and I think that's that's advice practical to anyone within the realm that's being affected by covid um, whether directly or indirectly and I guess on that note, for us as an agency, we're a Gen Z agency, we employ individuals between the age of 18, and I think our oldest is 27, but mainly 18 to 25. And I, a lot of what we do as a company, because we do have a lot of college dropouts, some college graduates, is I, I, I see sometimes we're more of a university and more of a college classroom than we are an agency sometimes. There's a lot of coaching, teaching, training, and such. Um, so I'd love to hear from you in your experience as a professor, how do you best connect students with the marketing landscape of which i find to i I find this to be one of the most difficult subjects to teach only because it's changing so often and what we know even 6 12 18 months ago could change so i'd love to hear from your perspective some of the best ways you found to to engage students
1: so here's where i'd start one of my favorite quotes is the teacher is revealed when the student is ready Mm -hmm. so if you think about what i what i found when i was teaching at Georgetown it was a graduate marketing course the people who were there were hungry ambitious scrappy curious they were in their late 20s early 30s every one of them came to that class ready to learn wanting to get an edge over their competitors and they and they were they were hungry and, 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 and scrappy so I think mm-hmm. it sounds like that's the profile of the people that come to work at your agency Definitely. so I think if you have a willing hungry ambitious audience, That's step number one. It makes the job a lot easier. The second thing I would tell you, I had to come up with a definition of marketing that worked. And I, like many of us, you know, what is marketing? It's got a lot of different perceptions. And I think what I just landed on was marketing is a process that creates a set of conditions for a sale to occur and a relationship to be cultivated. Mm -hmm. And if if you know anything about the history of advertising, David Ogilvy, one of the great copywriters and agency founders of all time, You know, he said if good marketing doesn't sell or if marketing doesn't sell, it's bad marketing. You know, if you, any copy that you write that wins an award that doesn't actually sell a tube of toothpaste is bad copywriting and bad marketing. So I've always been uh, following the belief of Peter Drucker. He said, you need to have the, the, the soul of a salesperson and the nervous system of a marketer. Think about that for a second. So you've got to have that killer instinct, that sense of the jugular. You have to want to sell something if you're going to be a good marketer mm-hmm. so understand media and messaging and copywriting and targeting and audience development and how this all comes together if your focus isn't trying to take something across the finish line you're really just in living in the world of an academic you know esoteric framework so that's my approach my teaching style and it's frankly how I run my own career and how I run my agency
0: yeah and I've I've always studied up on uh, David Ogilvy and the revised versions as well and find that to be so I mean, that's just the fundamentals, right. And, but in recent years, especially I, you know, and I don't know that the time period specifically, but I, I think about Jim Stengel and, and brand purpose, and a lot of things yep. there that pioneered by uh, the former global, global CMO there at PG. And there, there, there tends to be that debate of brand purpose versus maybe you're inherent more like sales driven. And obviously they connect at the end of the day. And if you look at the Stengel 50, the 50 stocks he's picking based on brands that best connect with their purpose, that proves out. And obviously a marriage of the two is best, but I guess the question would be then for young marketers that come in and especially in a time like this, they wanna push emotional advertising. They wanna push things that are connecting them to new audience bases. But at the end of the day, this this needs to drive revenue and it needs to be connected to sales how do you best marry those two? Because they can often be very conflicting. We might have data paid media team over here arguing about why we're doing this, and then your creatives arguing about why we need to do this, more emotional. So I guess in your experience, how do you best marry those two to ensure that within marketing, we are connecting with the brand purpose, which we know matters for younger consumers, but also we have that sales DNA that, that is gonna make sure that whatever we're doing is ROI positive.
1: So I think they're completely compatible. I think I think a true the soul of a brand is a promise that it makes to its marketplace, its customers, its constituents. You have to think with a triple bottom line. So I think great brand marketers um, who used to live in an ivory tower, yeah. you know, the group days are over. So I, I think I think brand marketing and sales-driven tactical, integrated direct marketing, they're two sides of the same coin. They coexist. It's sort of the the physiology and anatomy that we you have to have bones and structure and marketing frameworks, but you also have to have a soul and a narrative and a purpose. I look at the 10 P's of marketing. It's really how I think about everything. And the, the most important P of marketing is purpose. Mm-hmm. What is, is on Detra? What is your purpose? Why do you exist? Why, why are you going to attract the kind of people that you want to bring into your company, not just for a transaction, but for a long lasting, Sticky relationship that builds lifetime value, loyalty, and higher margins. So, I think they're I think they're hand in glove. Um, I don't see any distinction, and I think trying to make a distinction, which happens all the time. You, you, yeah. You're exactly right. You know, there there is a battle. You know, I used to say sales is from Venus and marketing is from Mars, and these two sort of battle. And I think the same thing is true with some organizations as it relates to brand. But you you can't build a great brand unless it's generating revenue loyal customers and doing it in a way that creates, you know, as I said, lifetime value.
0: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And and I like the analogy too of the brand marketers coming down from the ivory tower, because I think that's where the problem exists, where it is this creative ideation that no one else might, might be able to understand that we must do. And while it might not be data backed, like this is the way we have to do it. So I do love the cross cross collaboration. And, and, and just like you said, they should be working together and, and they should be supporting one another. and, I, I guess another question I get a lot with our agency, especially for this year, working with larger brands within our portfolio is you know, what does it look like working with those larger companies? How do you manage that? And there's obvious ones like brand standards and ultimately just like the realm, the approval process that we got to work through that, that you kind of know those are those are commonplace. Uh, but in your experience working with brands like McDonald's, Mercedes-Benz, Microsoft Hallmark, I'm sure there's 30, 50 more that I'm not mentioning. What what advice do you have for younger marketers in working with those brands who right now might be working with a few SMBs, startup? Maybe they're just in their own uh, marketing department at their own company promoting. Maybe it's a 250 person company and looking to go agency side and work with big brands. But what are some things that a lot of people don't keep in mind in working with those larger brands? Is it totally different? Is it a lot of the same? Just just changing up the approach. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on that
1: my thinking has been the same really since the beginning of my career. And I stumbled on this, but I learned the person who knows the most about the customer has the most power in the room. So I always spent my time understanding the DNA, the genetic material, the heart and mind of the audience. I think when you understand an audience and you can describe that to the CMO at Mercedes or the CMO at P G, that's how you gain credibility. That's how you get a seat at the table. That's how you influence outcomes and decisions. So I think that's step number one is learn all of the characteristics, characteristics, motivations, and, and buying habits and behaviors of your audience. That's number one. And your and your desired audience, not just your core, but you know the adjacent audiences. That's number one. Number two, I think, understanding the competition in a way that contextualizes the brand's promise and value proposition. To me, that's another area where I have found it easier to add value when I can come in and I can talk about what a competitor is doing and how that could be a, significant threat and how to flank that threat so i i find those two things to be really useful particularly early in your career it's a way to distinguish yourself it's a way to get out of a, a more junior role when you're younger and you, you, you just because you're early in your career doesn't mean you don't have game and you don't have insight and so that that would be how i would encourage anybody who's just getting started to um you know as i said have a seat at the table
0: yeah certainly And you know, another question I do have for you is the large agency versus small agency, the dilemma, and obviously, we, we've certain, certainly seen a lot of change in the industry over the past decade, um, even within the past two, three years. Uh, but from from your perspective, you've been with big agencies, and I'm sure you you've come across plenty and seen, you know, how that works, uh, particularly servicing larger clients. Uh, but now you have a, your own smaller firm, a lot more agile, and so when something like COVID-19 drops, you're able to shift, pivot and adjust accordingly and use this as a growing experience. But I guess for, for the landscape of marketing, as we know it within agency land, whether it's small versus big agency, whether it becomes a little bit too bloated or they, they need kind of that nimble agile focus on the smaller agency side, what, what's your take on, on the landscape? Is, are we moving to more fragmentation and more smaller agencies with specific focuses popping up left and right? Are, are we still, are the big le, like, like uh, legacy agencies still going to hold in there and, and find ways to adapt? I'd love to get your take on, on, on the landscape. I, and I know that's a tough one, but um, yeah, a, a, any sort of take there?
1: Yeah, and if I, were to, if I were to do a retrospective of my career, I've worked for small than large and small than large. I've, I've gone back and forth. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the benefit of the large is you have scale, you have muscle, you've got a great brand on your resume. Um, You learn how it works, uh, you know, with the best of the best, because they tend to attract really terrific people. They pay well. So I think there's a lot of value in working in a large agency. Um, There's a, a, a song that I love called Wear Sunscreen. It says, live in New York once, but leave before it makes you hard. Live in San Francisco once, but leave before it makes you soft. And so Mm -hmm. what I would say is work at a large agency long enough, but don't let it make you soft or start to get, uh, start believing your own PR because really you don't want to be only as good as the firm you work for. That's Mm -hmm. when I think you go to work for a small agency, you get to do every single job, you get to learn what you're made of. I think it strengthens your, uh, expertise. I paid my way through college as a karate instructor. You can't win a fight anymore as a karate instructor. You have to be a mix, mixed martial artist today in order to win a fight. And I think you've become a mixed martial artist working in a in a small agency where you get to use every muscle and every technique. And you don't get to do that in a big firm unless, well, you don't really get to do that in a big firm. Nobody does because it's, it's much more, um, not assembly line, but obviously there's a lot more functional division of labor. So I love them both. I think you need to do both to know what they're like, but I chose to start a smaller agency and keep it small. Um, We were acquired two years ago, which is I have to tell you the best of both worlds. So Mm -hmm. we're part of a large holding company now, but we are still independent, fiercely entrepreneurial, and um, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful place to be. This is in fact, at this stage of my career, the best of both worlds.
0: Yeah, it's something personally I'm always envious of because I founded the company three years ago and have been since, uh, you know, obviously with us is I almost get envious of potentially being able to work at a bigger agency, see what that looks like, see what all those clients rolling, rolling across my desk. And most importantly, now it's not me having to figure out how we're going to service all those. I'm worried also about the bottom line. If I could just, you know, just focus on the marketing side or just focus on this uh, little department, I, I'm always envious of that. But I also kind of crave the independence and I don't, I don't know if I do too well with authority. So it's a question I always have on my mind. I know the same for a lot of our listeners here. And I know something I get asked far too often, uh, I don't know if it's just lack of resources or just where these are stored or anything of that nature, but when it comes to to building up our marketing IQ and staying on top of the trends and knowing what's going on and, and ultimately just learning, are there any resources that either you tap into or that you advise students to tap into? Is there anything out there that's online? I know for me, whenever I gotta figure out anything out, I'm a YouTube guy. Uh, but uh, are there any good resources out there, you would say, uh, for, for younger audiences that they should be tuning into to check in uh, with what's going on? Maybe it's, it's hey, it's these, these 10 books you have to read before anything else. It's this kind of course online that can be found here. It's, no, you need to go to a good university and learn from professors who know what they're doing. Um, is, is there any, I guess, centralized or um, any good recommendations on any resources?
1: Here's here's what I do, and then you can you all can decide if this is right for you. I read the Wall Street Journal every day, cover to cover. I think you can learn a lot about business, and if you unpack most of the stories, you'll understand the, the business model, the marketing um, approach. And so I, I think it's a great way to learn what's happening today. And so I would read the Wall Street Journal. I read Morning Brew every morning. Morning oh, yeah. Morning Brew so has a, a great marketing um, letter every single day, so I'd encourage everybody to read that. I read the Harvard Business Review. It's a great way to understand what's happening. It's a contextual way to understand marketing. You have to understand business to understand marketing, branding, sales, advertising. Um, and so those are the, my three absolute go-tos. Um, I too look at, at, at uh, YouTube videos all day. I'm, I'm looking for what's new and what's relevant. Um, you know, so I, I think, uh, you know, Gary Vee, I, I think he's a pretty sharp, guy. I pay attention to him. I write a blog every Monday. I've got 450 blogs on our website, 360livemedia.com. So if you, I think writing is a great way to learn because I have to come up with something to write every single week. So I think that forces me to become the student that I was describing before so that I can, because the best way to learn is to teach, obviously. So my writing is my way of learning. So I'd encourage all of you, no matter what stage of your career you're at, start writing and just get, get your mojo and, and momentum. And I think it'll, it'll allow you to figure out where you have to go for original source material.
0: Yeah. And and my final thing here, because you mentioned it, what, what's your personal take on Gary V? Because I, I've heard both, both perspectives, young people are, are very, I mean, that is their marketing God, quote unquote, uh, you know, in the space. And, but I've also heard from older individuals, you know, Hey, it's a little bit too, this it's a little bit too, this, I don't, I don't know, but the marketing side of things, his philosophy On marketing treating brands like like media companies um i guess what what's your take on that do you think that's a good good resource and decent enough but maybe a little bit off i don't think
1: you can go to any one resource i like him a lot i like his aggressive i like his aggressiveness i like that 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 you know i'm aggressive i like that i like tony robbins i like people like that i like people that are in your face have a point of view or unapologetic so I, I, I admire and appreciate what he's done. I think he's cut through a lot of noise and clutter. Um, but there's a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot. Of, and, and frankly, so much of marketing, because I've, I've been doing this for so long. A lot of what you're reading now that is professed to be new isn't really that new. And I think yeah. I, I think there are a lot of classic strategies. Um, you know, Peter Drucker, I would I would study Peter Drucker. I mean, you know, nobody, I think, is a better business age even today. Um, I think you can learn from people like Bill, Bill Gates and I think you can learn from, from the great business leaders because they were also marketing geniuses in many ways themselves, not just tech entrepreneurs or, or, you know, business founders. So anyway, I, I would encourage you to have a wide net of people that you're listening to and don't get too, nobody's nobody. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worship at the altar of Gary vee I think he's, he's good, but. You got to listen to a lot of people if you're going to really be a mixed martial artist and win, you know, in the marketplace, because everybody's listening to Gary Vee
0: Yeah, I love the analogy. And I think that's a good, good summary is the mixed martial artist. Yeah. You know, th- throughout it, getting an uh, experience with smaller and, and larger agencies, getting to touch all the different uh, kind of systems and departments within the realm when it comes to resources as well, right there, not just being versed in one arena, but but being versed in all those arenas. and And then the aggression too, that that's ultimately needed when it comes to connecting brand purpose and then ultimately bottom line marketing. So Don, thank you again for joining the episode today. And for our marketers out there listening, it's your time to go be mixed martial artists in the arena. Go learn, go study up and go execute. I'll see you all next week.